I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm going to just keep telling you that all day because I just love looking at you. I love being with you. It's just so much fun, so much fun. We can take the music down. We're going to go ahead and move, move into our next session. I'm really excited today because I have a, a dear friend of mine who has uh, been a missionary uh, in Mexico for many, 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 many years. Great, wonderful, God-awesome years that she has served. And uh, she's here in the house at Spectrum, planted in Spectrum. She's leading a, a wonderful a small group, Women of Wisdom. Yeah, we got some fired up women in her group. Yes, that's good. And uh, she is just a blessing. She's a blessing to be around. I would like you to welcome my friend, Maggie Rios. Hello. Am I on? All right, good. Uh, First of all, I'll tell you what I am not. I am not a singer to sing in public. Many years ago, in 1994, I went on a short mission trip to um, Ecuador, a small town in Ecuador. And uh, it was a music festival. I was accompanying my friend Ana that sings Mexican-type music, the mariachi music, she, play, she plays the guitar. So they assumed that I, I was a singer. <laughs> so they put me on the program. And they gave me a big, I don't know how many minutes. Well, I'm not a singer. I sing in the shower. And to the Lord, I make a, a noise unto the Lord. So you know what I did? I ministered on healing. And the program was being transmitted live to the, one of the biggest radio stations, the Voice of the Andes in Quito. H-C-J-B, H-C-J-B. The voice of the Andes. I got criticized because it was a traditional denomination. But you know, you know what? People got healed. Because after I spoke on healing, I had the prayer of faith for healing. And it, I was at a, at a tall platform, and it was at a park. So I didn't have a chance to go lay hands on the people. So it was a general, general prayer like Brother T.L. Osborne used to do. And people told me later on that they have gotten healed. So we have to be who we are and nothing else. Talking about that, I went to look for something to wear today. And I found this. This was the first thing I saw. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it says the brand Fig and Flower. And in the back it says, Be yourself. Everybody else is taken. I didn't. 
And then I tried to put on a dress. I went and bought a dress. Took it back. Got another one. Took it back. I said, I'm going back to that place. Hopefully they still have this. And they had it. So this is me. I'm being myself. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, for this time, with these precious, precious ladies. We thank you that your word is alive and full of power and sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen. <laughs> Short and sweet. If I was to uh, put a title on what I'm going to say today, it would be, Be You, a Woman of Prayer. And we're going to go, we're going to start in um, Luke chapter, no, no, Mark chapter 11, and it's not 11.22 and, and so on. It's another passage in Mark 11. Can you tell I'm nervous? <laughs> I'm not. I'm bold. That's a lion. Anyway, in Luke 11... We see the, uh, the Lord, I mean, Mark 11. The Lord rode on a donkey into town. And people threw uh, branches. And um, they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And things were happening. Things are happening there in Mark 11. And... Uh, He went to the temple, and he started to look around. Verse 11 mentions that. I'm not going to read it. I'll read a portion, but not quite there yet. And he started looking around in the temple. That was his custom. He would go to the temple. And he was checking out things in the temple. And okay, Mark eleven. And if you put Mark eleven, eleven eleven, that's when he's looking around at things. And he saw what was going on. And they were merchandising in the temple. They were um, selling doves for the sacrifices. They had a mafia-type thing going on in there, making money. Some people were making a lot of money. And it says that night came. It was late in in the day. So they went back to Bethany. And we're going to pick up on verse 15. On his way to the temple that the following day, he went by a fig tree. And he was hungry. 
And he spoke to the fig tree, and it dried up from the roots because it wasn't producing fruit. But on verse 15, where we're going to pick up to read. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those that sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and chief priests heard it and and sought how they might destroy him. Get rid of him. They had a thing going there. It wasn't convenient for them to change. Sometimes change is needed. Sometimes we don't like change. I don't like change that much. But they needed to change. For they feared him. They feared him for what he did. Because all the people were astonished at his teaching. First he went to look around. He had been to the temple many times. But he only did what his father told him. When the time came, he went and turned the tables. He went and did what he had to do. Then he told them, this house, the purpose of this house is to be a house of prayer. Yet, with your merchandising and what you're doing in here, making your money and gathering money and doing what you have been doing, you have made it a den of thieves. Then we find out that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Corinthians 3.16 and in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it mentions that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we are to be a house of prayer. But you know what? Thieves try to come in and steal and rob us of the purpose that God has for us. A lot of things can come. Is this all? No. A lot of things can come against us to keep us from praying. But everybody, no matter how busy, we have time to pray because we can be in, a, in an attitude of prayer. I heard this lady the other day in one of the programs with Sid Roth. She was there and she said that she had four kids, small. And she says, when do I have time to pray? When do I have time for the word? Does that sound familiar to anybody here? And she said, God started ministering to her 
speaking to him, to her, and said, "You find the time when you're chopping up vegetables. You find the time when you're doing laundry, and you can be in an attitude of prayer, and just be in my presence in an attitude of prayer, be in my presence in an attitude of prayer." And she said, one day she she was in the kitchen. Preparing a meal, preparing dinner, and she was chopping up vegetables and going to the oven and this and that. And all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord hit her, and she started singing and chopping vegetables, going to the oven, going to the sink to wash the knife or whatever. And she started rejoicing in the Lord. And she said she was not aware that her one of her boys was there watching her. And he came from behind whatever and said, Mommy, I want that. And he was at an age when they become spiritually aware. She was able to lead him to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? But like I said, there can, can be hindrances of prayer. One of them, and that's also here in Mark 11. After the, the scriptures on faith, had faith in God, for as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So one of the biggest hindrances to our prayer is unforgiveness. And you know, God has provided for us Everything that pertains to life and godliness in the Word. One time, the Pharisees came to Jesus and, and put a question to him. Hey, Jesus, is it lawful to pray to pay taxes to Caesar? He said, "Show me a coin." And they showed him the coin, and he uh, and he said, "Give unto Caesar." that which is Caesar's, but unto God, that which is God. There was CNN. Then another interviewer comes, the Sadducees. And the Sadducees don't believe in, in the resurrection. And I've heard this before. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And that's why they're sad, you see.
And they asked him, hey, if this guy, if this man was married to a woman, then he dies. Then the next brother marries her. And then another one. Seven altogether. And they all died. In the resurrection, they don't even believe in the resurrection. They were just being, trying to uh, catch him at some thing to try to destroy him. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And he said, you do err, not knowing the scripture or the power of God. Scripture, the word. Power of God, the Holy Ghost. And we need both when we pray. We need to base our, uh, our prayers on the word. This guy, Alan. Alan was a young man in my church in the L.A. area many years ago. And Alan said, you know, an angel has, is coming to me and tells me this and that. And I go to the university and I get people saved. Yeah, Alan, what have you been drinking? <laughs> and he kept on telling me the tall tales and everything. And I said, you know what? What you're telling me is not script- scriptural. And he kept on. I don't know what happened to him. But I'm sure that his, um, how do you call that? His, uh, the one that you put in the car to go wherever. The what? No, no, the, um, the one that leads you to an address. The GPS now. I don't know. He didn't have his GPS correctly. I don't know where he ended up. I don't know where Alan ended up, but we have to follow the word and be led by the spirit. Well, I'm going to get rid of some pages here and go to, well, before I go to, I'll tell you something. Sometimes we, we make the Lord Jesus, the Lord of our troubles. And only go to him when we're in trouble. But he wants you to make him the Lord of of your heart. Not just when we're up to here with trouble. So, a constant life of prayer... It's best because you prevent things from happening. And you know, he'll let you know what's going on. And he'll let you know where not to go. Three years ago, I, I hadn't been back to Oaxaca where I served as a missionary. I hadn't been back in a few years. So praying about it. I decided I'm going to go, this is 2016, I'm going to go in November. And I called a, a friend of mine who is a pastor. She's a young lady. 
And she says that I trained her in prayer. So I called her and, and she said, why don't you come in August? We're going to have a women's meeting. And it's going to be at such and such hotel in Miahuatlan, not in the capital city, but another city close by. And I said, well, I was thinking of going in November. Why don't you come in August? So I didn't pray about it. I said yes. Time went on. This must have been about, oh, when did I call her? Probably in May or June, towards the end of May. And um, I kept on getting this, uh, like, don't go. Don't go at that time. Don't go. But you know what? They had posters out. They had all these things out. So I decided to go then. I tried to get an appointment because I wasn't doing too well health-wise. Tried to get an appointment uh, with a doctor, and I couldn't. I was with a new insurance. I didn't know how things were. I could have asked for another doctor or go to a ready uh, urgent care or whatever. I was not feeling well. Even on the road to the airport, my, um, one of my brothers-in-law was taking me to the airport. I was going to take the midnight flight at the Tijuana airport. And this big piece of furniture, I think it was an office desk, came in front of us, and Javier hit it with his van. It didn't stop us, and I, I thought again, maybe I should just go back, tell him to turn around and I'll go back. I'll call Gloria in the morning. I kept going. And that's why, because of that, I have a little friend here that when I ran out of breath, I can plug to the oxygen machine. When I was there, I had a respiratory failure. I had plenty of warning. Something was going on already, but it would have been here. It would have been taken care of on time. Instead, I waited over there for a month to be able to to take a f- the flight home because the um, the doctor down there wouldn't allow me. He said it was not convenient for me to fly. The minute I got back to San Diego, I went to the hospital, and a dear friend of mine went with me, Daddy. She was with me the whole time. They gave me, gave me a grim prognosis. That a person with such a disease has one to five years. It's been three years. 
I ain't going anywhere. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. That's my prognosis. That's my confession. And that's where my faith is. Maybe 10, 15. I don't want to. A lot of people say they want to live to 120. Have you seen a person that is a, a hundred a hundred years old. I've seen, I've seen them. Mucho, mucho wrinkles. I don't want to get rude. So, 85, 90, yes. Beyond that, no. If you're believing for 120, go ahead, honey. Believe for 120. I'm believing for a long life, maybe 90. But that stop, stops, that stops right there. Anyway, well, I'm going to Philippians 1. Verse 19, Paul was in prison, and he wrote the most tender letter of the letters that he wrote. I believe that Philippians is the most tender one. And he wanted out. He wanted to be out. He wanted to fulfill his preaching ministry. Some people were preaching Christ out of, uh, to spite them. They were preaching for this and for that. Some of them were sincere. In verse 18, he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ has preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know... I know this. I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Prayer and the supply of the Spirit. I don't know if you remember some years ago. There is a river that flows from deep within, there is a fountain. That washes everything, every sin. Come to the waters. There is a vast supply. There is a river. And it will never shall run dry. You have a river in you. The book of John speaks of the, of the fountain. That's when you come into everlasting life. You receive Jesus as your Lord. When he met the woman at the well. It talks about the fountain in John chapter 4. John, John chapter 7. In the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any of you thirst, 
Let him come unto me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow, shall, yeah, flow rivers of living water. What's bigger, a fountain or a river? There's rivers underneath the uh, dirt. Mighty rivers. They're right there. All we have to do is dig in and pray and believe God. Paul was in prison and he probably remembered. Hey, Peter got out. Peter and John got out. In John, I mean in uh, Acts 3, 4, in Acts chapter 4. Then in Acts chapter 12, Peter got out again. An angel came to the prison. Now, ladies, do you have relatives in prison? Anybody? Prayer. I have a, a grandnephew in prison. And he wasn't, he wasn't taken in for preaching the gospel like Paul was. Drugs affected his brain, and he did something that was a no-no. But you know what? Even when they're not innocent, with your prayers and the supply of the Spirit, they will be set free. Do you have people that are ill and they have terminal illnesses like they said that I have? Uh-uh. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit, God will bring them out of the bed of languishing like it says in Jeremiah. Prayer. Let's... Oh, I don't have time. Well, just one, one last thing. One time I was in a service, and um, the lady that had been ministering, it was at our camp meeting, annual camp meeting, and Pastor Kimberly's dad had been one of the speakers. This is 1983. He was one of the speakers. And camp meeting came to an end, and uh, Billy Brim was, had been ministering. She was promoting a meeting that she was going to have at the Los Angeles Convention Center. The Art of Intercession. I was able to go. Anyway, my pastor took over because Billy Brim fell under the power. And I was upset. Because... There was a lady there that had been the prayer coordinator at my church. And now I'm the prayer coordinator. And I said, what is she doing here? <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden my pastor says, calls her, I won't call her name, calls her and says, now say, Mary, why don't you pray for this lady here? I said, doesn't he know that I'm the prayer coordinator? <laughs> what is she doing? Here, I'm criticizing her, and I'm criticizing my pastor. 
all of a sudden, I felt like I was a heel. But you know, when you feel like you're a heel, the Holy Ghost can work. And I said, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. No sooner did I repent that my dear pastor, who is now with the Lord, said, Maggie, why don't you come and pray for Millie? Millie was the prayer coordinator at another church in town. And I went and prayed for Millie. And all of a sudden, by the word of the Lord, by the gifts of the Spirit, I suppose, I told her four things. One, two, three, four. Afterwards, she said, I need it. I had four questions before the Lord, and the Lord just answered. (laughs) Answer prayer for Millie, because I decided not to be in strife. Strife, unforgiveness, whatever. And I took too long, but... Praise God. You know, the beautiful thing um, about God is that um, he's not a respecter of person for anybody. If you want to pray, if you want to tap in, you want to listen, you want to hear, he's going to speak to you. He's going to lead and guide you. It's not um, out of the ordinary. It's not a strange thing that God would speak to someone and use them. To share. That's what he wants to do with all of us. Thank you so much for sharing your heart today, for sharing, being you, a woman of prayer that's so good. Prayer is just dialogue with God, right? When we keep that dialogue open, then he's able to alert us of things to come. He said he'll show us and tell us things to come. So uh, praise God. He, he wants to speak to us all. Well, tomorrow, this morning, I don't know about you, but I think it's been fabulous. It's been really good. I hope you've enjoyed everything so far. Just want to give you a couple of uh, announcements and then we're going to.